This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 290, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy listeners just like you.
Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 290. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Ron Richards. Howdy. This is iFanboy.com's <laughs> podcast, you see. We do that because we like comics. We run that website, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and then one of us has the job of picking the book that they thought was the best of the week, and they write about it on the website, and then we come talk about it here on the podcast for the first bit. And then uh, we talk about the other books of the week and then, uh, you know, answer some questions, do some vaudeville, whatever. You know, it's fun. Uh, before we get <laughs> – it was vaudeville. Vaudeville. Uh, before we get going, we are going to talk about the stuff that happens in the book. So if you don't want to get spoiled, well, don't read anything about Ultimate Spider-Man for the last six months because the story was called Death of Spider-Man. <laughs> Pretty friggin' straightforward. But there are spoilers on, on other things uh, that you probably don't know what happened in. So if you want to go back and read and come back later, we're, we're cool with that. Connor, you had the pick. Actually, the spoiler warning is quite important this week because the pick is Rocketeer Adventures number two. And it seems that most of the stores in the United States didn't get this book. So if, you ha- if you're one of those people who didn't get the book and don't want to get spoiled, although there's really nothing to spoil. We no. did, we, uh, well, yeah, if you want to talk about spoiling, it's if you don't get to read it, then your life is spoiled. Right, so if so you were one of the go. lucky few who got it, good I for did. you. I did. It came to San Francisco. I'm holding it in my hand. If you didn't, I'm sorry. It'll be, it should be out next week if you didn't. It's kind of like when Echo comes out to part of the country, but not the yeah. whole country. Yeah. I guess that's happening with Rocketeer now. Um, the pick was Rocketeer Adventures number two, and if you remember when the first issue came out, I believe uh, that was when Jim and Paul and I were on the show. We, we, we loved that issue. And yeah, well, that, but it wasn't the pick of the week that week. And when I'm not on the show, I'm fine with accepting that fate. Like, I, I was traveling. I couldn't be on the show. I can't do anything. But when I listened to that podcast, when I saw the pick of the week, I literally almost reached through the computer to punch you. Because <laughs> I don't know how you didn't pick the first issue. And then when this, but then this issue came out, and I was so glad to see you pick this issue because this is the greatest comic of the week. Rocketeer Adventures number two. So I assume this is your pick, too, Ron. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. Me Josh, too. was this your pick? Oh yeah, yeah. Consensus. Yes, and, and, and it should be noted. I have no, I have no rocketeer uh, 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 affection. Yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no history. There's no anything. I was just like, I'm gonna read this. I didn't read the first one. It doesn't matter. It doesn't and matter. There's no, there's no continuity. This was a cavalcade of awesome. That's what I love about the Rocketeer is that there's no continuity. Like aside from the first story, like the first, like the first story itself. Everything that's come after that have all been these, these little serials, these little episodes, these little snippets, and even the stuff by Dave Stevens back in the day. Like the, the second story just happened. He just went to New York, and it was you know like it is. I not, love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's it's as, they, they they just start the story's already going. You know that Darwin story. Yep. Uh, well, let's let's well, explain, explain the, 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 the Rocket Adventures is an anthology series in that each issue is made up of three stories by a really impressive list of creators so far in these first two issues. Including some uh, pinup art, and so, you know Dave Stevens was the creator, and he, was, he died. He died um, not too long ago, a few years ago. Um, so there's a, it's a really a love letter to the Rocketeer and to Dave Stevens. People really like, I think, especially in the industry, people really respect Dave Stevens and the Rocketeer character, who seems straight out of the '40s. He's a homage to those old serial Even earlier, adventure like 30s, characters, '30s yeah. and '40s. Yeah. But he was created in the '80s, and not long after he was created, he got a movie. You may have seen the Disney film. Um, and as Josh said, I don't have a lot of connection to the Rocketeer. I, have, I, I haven't read all the old Dave Stevens' work, but I love the design of the character. Yep. He is, it's a, such a striking design. It's a great design. Well, the, the, a, the thing about the Rocketeer is that, you know, yes, it, you, as you pointed out in the review, it was done in the 80s, but it was the kind of thing where it was this, 
you know, there's this hidden secret gem that was, you know, published in the, you know, in the, in the, in the indie scene of the eighties and not appreciated for years to come for years after it. Um, and it's really kind of sad that now that Dave Stevens has passed on that it's getting, it's like, it feels like it's get it's finally getting its due in comics. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the first story in this issue is written by Mark Wade, drawn by Chris Weston, um, which, which, uh, how much do you want more Chris, Chris Weston comics? I always want more yeah. Chris Weston. He it's drew Jodhpur's. Oh, it's not fair. <laughs> in this story, I mean, again, these are all little anthology stories. They're not really connected. In this story, the Rocketeer is the character. His name is Kyle. Uh, Kyle, right? That's his name? Cliff. Cliff. Cliff I'm sorry. Cliff Secord. And uh, I didn't even know. Like, I'm reading the first couple pages, and I'm like, I don't know who this is. And then I figured it out. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm cool. <laughs> Cliff has, and his girlfriend, Betty, who's, who's Betty Page, basically. Uh, she's a... She's a She's a pinup girl, and so in this issue, she's got a gig working at a show where she's mostly nude, and he's all pissed off. There's a creepy guy on set who's hitting on her, and and so he goes off. He decides he's going to become rich and famous so that Betty doesn't have to work anymore, and he just, he's going to use the Rocketeer to do it. Only he's been beaten to the punch because this newfangled character named Superman is out in the comics, and he's all popular. So the rival comic book companies have hired an actor to run around town in a costume to draw up publicity for their superhero and he's already got a movie deal and he's already got endorsement deals and so in the midst of that someone takes a couple shots at this new guy so the Rocketeer swoops in to save him but while saving him ends up making the superhero look more super which was awesome by the way that that when that when that sequence happened I laughed like it was great <laughs> he falls off a tower the Rocketeer flies in and saves him the Rocketeer has a jet pack and he's got a gun he's got a helmet and uh, but the key, people can't see him behind the giant wings of the superhero so they think he's flying they think he's real and it all blows up in the Rocketeer's face. It come to find out that the guy shooting at the superhero was his creator, who's, and he was stolen from him by the, by the comic company. So there's a little bit of meta-commentary in there. About yeah, a little people. bit of Mark Wade, A little, bit, a little of, bit of Mark <laughs> Yeah. But it was tons of fun. It was very fun. And these are all short, like, eight-page stories. So that you, you, mm-hmm. get, you get in and out. And what it is is a really good exercise in short storytelling. Yes. Yeah. Eight pages. You set, up, you set it up, you flush it out, and you finish it. And yeah. uh, it, had, really- uh, it had sexy time. It had, it had action. It had Cliff changing just out in the street. Yeah. <laughs> his outfit, which is great. It had uh, – one of the things I, I – Chris Weston is, is so great because he, he can do these like sort of classic superhero poses. If you look at the page where the, the guy with the A in his chest stands up and yep. he looks like a hero. And then the next page, like he just looks like a weenie. Yep. Like he's just like, eh. <laughs> I mean, he's been shot, so it's not really his fault. But still, what I thought like, was great, what was great about the, uh, on that page when you know when he gets shot at and Arrow Man, Arrow Man, who is the superhero, he falls. The middle panel with Rocketeer flying. I like yeah. how Chris Weston you see through the helmet yes. to Cliff's eyes, which not a lot of artists do. That a lot of artists go lazy and just keep just draw the you know the eye hole. But like he, it, you know, like there's a, a touch of realism in Chris Weston's cartooning. Which absolutely, is great. and, yeah. and you're actually I point I was thinking that exact same thing. I'm looking at it, like I know what he's going to say, you can, and you can see the you can see the stress. On, just in Cliff's eyes, you can see like you know you could almost make out like a bead of sweat. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's just like you 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 get that he this isn't easy just by being able to see his eyes, which is amazing. Yep. Yeah. The second story is the, probably the highlight. It's a eight pager from Darwin Cook, written and drawn by Darwin Cook in in literally an old serial style. So he takes the conceit of the Rocketeer, which is an old serial character, and makes it into a serial story. There's an opening credits. There's narration. It's a little bit overwrought, like the serials were back then. It's very fast paced. It's it's constructed just like it leads to a climax that's kind of ridiculous and crazy, but it's funny. Um, in this issue, the Rocketeer saving Betty from a, some thugs. He gets shot in the chest. And he's bleeding out. So Betty, who has, managed, of course, managed to lose her clothes in the fight, uh, has to don the tunic and helmet and jetpack and get and get. Uh, I keep saying Kyle Sakur because Kyle Sakura was in Homicide. Uh, Cliff Sakura to 
um, the hospital, but she can't fly the suit because she's never done it before, so she keeps crashing into stuff. It's just it's sort of like a wacky madcap adventure to the hospital. And it's, it sounds very simple, but the way that Darwin tells the story, huh. um, I mentioned this in my review. When I went back and re- re- reread the issue, I did this story without the dialogue balloons, and you can yeah. follow every beat of the story without the dialogue through just through the art. Yep, and it's it's like a textbook case in how to tell a story through through just the, the art. And then, of course, it leads to where she gets into the hospital. Finally, he's all reco- recovered, only to find a giant stack of dynamite under the bed and explodes, and the Nazis are in the hospital. So um, it was perfectly captured the tone of, of what the Rocketeer is, was based on. I, I got to say, reading that, if, you, if you've ever been to a, an amazing restaurant and they're just bringing out different things in every course, you go, oh, that's what reading this comic book is like. Yeah. And like right from the beginning, like, Chris Weston and Mark Wade. Mark Wade also, like, I wouldn't really mention it, but, like, he did, like, his t- the speech, the tone of the speech and the sort of style of talking was a lot of fun. And so, like, he did that really well. But then that art was fantastic. And then you get to that splash page, at this, the second page of, of, you know, Darwin's story, you know, where she's flying in the garters. And you say, oh, you know, and then you see her flipping around. And then you're like, what else could there be? And then you get to the third story. And, oh, Gene Ha. Well, not, well, not even, well, no, you're yeah, you're yeah. you're skipping that. I mean, the the, the the they could have published the Darwin story alone, and it would have been great. But then yep. to see a, a double page Jeff Darrow piece yep. with uh, with Cliff fighting Nazi planes, <laughs> uh, just it's um, um, amazing with all the detail that Jeff Darrow brings to it. And I lo- love that Cliff's got the the machine guns with the clips that are taped to the bot to to each other. Like just the level of detail that Darrow does in this pinup is just uh, amazing. But then, you know, like you said, then you go it, it segues right into the Gene Haas story, which is oh man. So we had Chris Weston, we have Darwin Cook, we have uh, Jeff Darrow, and then Gene Ha. I mean, you don't have a better looking book. Yep. Not even not only this week, but I can't remember the last time. You know. Oh. Put it up against any book. It's really getting to the point where I'm like trying to explain it, and I just want to go, uh, uh. Yeah, no, that's all you can do is, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in this story, the, uh, the, uh, the Rocketeer's fighting another guy <laughs> with this flying, flying contraption, which is this one's all made out of uh, helicopter blades, and it's it's against the backdrop of a giant prize fight happening in the city, and so the fight in the sky is contrasted against the fight in the pro in the boxing match. Through the radio broadcast, so the narration is for the boxing match, but it matches what's going on in the Which fight. I, I love that. I, I mean, it, it's it's something. It's not something completely original, but I love when it works, and it was. I love that premise. And it works here because in the middle of the boxing fight, they keep cutting in, going, "Something's happening downtown." It may may not be another Japanese attack because it's happening in the forties. Right. Um, so it was just very nicely contrasted, writing wise, but art wise, you know, we don't get enough Gene Ha in our lives, and mm. no. this just reminds me of how great. Remember, remember when. Top Ten yes. was coming out regularly, and he was like the, one of the best guys drawing comics. And oh yeah, no, no doubt. And every time he does show up, it's like it's like a thing of wonder. Uh, the story here is by Lowell Francis too, who, whose name I don't know, but he needs some. He needs to get some credit because yeah, he, he did, did a good, fine he did job. a great job. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. as a package, as, as Josh said, you get three different tastes, three different kind of stories, three different well well put together, incredibly drawn stories. Um, there are lots of fun. There's no continuity. You can jump right in. You don't you don't you don't have to know anything about the characters. You don't have to buy, have bought issue one. You can just buy issue two. Although one is great too, if you want to buy that as well. Um, that's what's great about this. One story. was great. I mean, I loved one. I mean, I know we. I, yeah, I no, was one was great. One, but you, I mean, if you, if you just want to get this one, you can. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, these are totally standalone, and I would get it. I would absolutely get it just to get a taste of the Rocketeer, and then if you like it, go back and get the original Dave Stevens stuff because it's amazing. But what I, I what I love about these um, anthologies is that each in the last issue with Cassidy and Allred, and with this issue, each creative creative team brought their own little bit of magic to it. Mm-hmm. And like the little in the Gene Hollow Francis story, like the the guy holding the pig, 
Yeah. But like what? Like it but it's just it's just it's there and it's, it makes sense and it's great. And I just love and it's such I love this time period and you know it's it's you know the the Mark Wade Chris Weston story, you know, they I like how they you know, because the original Dave Stevens stuff happened. The first story was in L.A., and then then he moved to New York. But like Wade and Weston brought him up to San Francisco. You know, we in in this we see you know it gets closer to World War II. In the last issue, we saw him you know fighting in World War II, and the Jeff Darrow pieces fighting you know Nazis. It's just like I like how the they're expanding the world of the Rocketeer, um, yeah. which Dave Stevens didn't get the opportunity to. So it's nice. The thing about this is, every time we talk about an anthology issue something like that we're always we can always point to one and be like oh well you know it's it, the issue's really good but this one really makes it worth it any one of the three stories in this would make the issue work it worth it doesn't matter what the other two were yeah, exactly yep and yeah. that that's what's remarkable and when you it. get three all together then it's it's yeah. bonus yeah so also i really want a jetpack yeah that'd be cool <laughs> No. When I was a kid, I, there's nothing I wanted more than a jetpack, and now I think I kind of want a jetpack again. All right, fair enough. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. Now, many pe- I know you just burn your feet. Many people <laughs> uh, were shocked and dismayed that Ultimate Spider-Man number 160 was not the pick of the week. This was, the, I guess, the final issue of the series. Yeah. Yep. The death of Peter Parker, supposedly. Yep. Um, this uh, We try to keep it separate, but this was a case of the marketing of the book – um, lessening the impact of the story. Totally. This. I mean, don't get me wrong. I sat. Th- this is the first book I read. I sat down to read it, and while I th- while it's some top top Bagley stuff, I think some mm-hmm. of the best stuff from Bagley we've seen in 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 a long time. I think it all culminated in this issue. I finished, and I was just like, eh. Yeah. Like it completely it completely took away from my enjoyment of the book. Again, I don't know why it was polybagged. You know, to make a collectible well, out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. A, it's the same thing with Fantastic Four. Yeah. yeah. To make it a collectible. Because it worked. Yeah. And, what, and apparently <laughs> one, in, one, in, one, one in every one in 300 had a signed copy, supposedly. So, But yeah. I've yet to hear anybody who got one. So, But um, uh, but yeah, I guess it worked. And But like the marketing and the, the, the announcement of it on Tuesday – and we knew, like, I knew how it ended. And like, and normally, I and in the past couple of years, I've built up this tolerance and this ability to not uh, be affected. But like, when Captain America died, like, I knew Captain America's died, but I was like, all right, well, I want to see how Brubaker did it. Mm-hmm. And and in this, it worked for Johnny. We knew it was going to happen, but yeah. I thought I thought that issue was much better. Yeah, this was. It, I, I want to be clear. Like, it was good. I gave it a solid four stars. Right, yeah, it was good. It was, yeah. it was good, but it was a it was it was a little bit by the numbers, and that all the beats that you hit, you go, yeah, okay, that's what's supposed to happen there, and that's yep. this. Like Mary Jane had a really big moment, and it was good, but it, it sort of it's funny because at the end of the last one, uh, Aunt May had a big moment where she fired the gun, yep. but that didn't really come to anything. And so in this one, Mary Jane had a big moment, which which did sort of matter, and I and I liked I liked the progression of you know beating the Green Goblin with a truck. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was cool. Uh, you know, the the art really worked. the The moment, you know, it hit me. There was a moment where I didn't tear up, but I did get chills. I'll give you that. Uh, that's, uh, the, that's the thing is that I didn't get. To, I didn't tear up I at didn't, all. Yeah, at all. And it, it was did. the second to last page when it, she says, "Not him too," which yeah. I I thought, well, that's 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 fair. That's that's reminding for, for us some, that she's had a lot of loss. Yeah, for some yeah, and I, which I got that, but for some reason, and you know me, I'll cry at the I'll cry at the drop of a hat in a comic book. Um, but like the, the it didn't. I didn't get that emotional with when reading this book, and I and I don't know if it's because it's been called Death of Spider Man, it's been telegraphed for for issues, or if the fact that this this whole arc, got, I feel like after reading it, this got really drawn out. Like I, you know what it feels like? It feels like a, a piece of bubble gum that you just you take two hands and you stretch or like a silly putty, and it just got stretched across three or four issues, and I, I just it it 
It was good, but it didn't you, it didn't blow me away. You're you're Bilbo Baggins having lived too long. Yeah, I think so. I think butter so. butter scratched over too too little toe too much toast. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, only, the only thing I did think of that was you know emotional was that if you think about the entire work as a whole, I'm talking about the whole series, well, 160 issues. Yeah, it is. A nice culmination. Yes, and I almost and I almost thought, you know, I don't necessarily need to read any more Ultimate Spider-Man now. Right, I'd rather because stop at the cap- issue, the Somni issue. That's my end. I still go back to saying that's my end of Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> it's, it, it really does cap the journey, and it, yeah. it does make it for an interesting, complete story. In that, you know, in in quote quote reality, this kid would probably get killed. Yep. So, if you take the whole thing as a whole, all ten plus years, it's probably a nice ending. But as a single issue and as an into the story. And as a issue that's supposed to give me a lot of emotional impact, it didn't really resonate as much as I was hoping it would. Yeah, me too. See, for me, I think that uh, I know that 160 issues is a long time. They've been doing it for a very long time, but I, I, st- I felt like they had just set up this this paradigm uh, that was very interesting, and it it felt like okay, wait, but it was really good, and there really felt like there were were a lot of stories to tell. With all the you know super super friends living together or whatever you know they did amazing that for like a year. Yeah, I know, but like there's still I, more. You you could have milked that for a while too. Yeah. Yeah. No, like it just felt like it was premature. I suppose. Like I don't want this character to be done with. And I know that like there's a thing like there's things that come to a natural end that you want to keep going. But I felt like it was. Well, what are you doing it now for? We just like he was just starting to train with Shield and that, like that was really interesting. Yeah. Like that could have kept going. I would have liked to see. The next phase of Peter Parker, you know, going from teenage, you know, to his, you know, I guess his young twenty. I know we've been through all this before, but not in the same way, not with this incredible continuity of creator. Creator. But you know what you're going to get now? Somebody else in a suit. Some kind of new Spider-Man you don't even know about. Some, is he in a black suit? <laughs> yeah. Actually, yes. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it just, I, I think it's a little bit of like, I, I get, yeah, I, I don't know why you have to end it now. Because sometimes, like, it ends, you feel like now's the time to end it. Right. You know, like, even if you don't want it to, I understand, you know, I could, Starman could have kept going on forever, but I didn't want it to end. Right. That kind of thing. It's tough. It's a challenge. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the right thing is. I mean, I would have, I, I could have gladly keep on, keep, kept on reading Bendis and whatever artists that he brought on to this book and tell stories of Peter Parker for another 10 years i would have gladly done that um and the thing is i'll buy the new book i'll try the new number sure. one i'll, I'll see because you know because he's proven himself and that sort of thing it's just that it's just that this this ending of this character and this issue just really it just didn't it didn't everybody's like and looking on twitter and stuff like that people are raving about it and talking about it and and i don't know how much of that has been this just drinking his own kool-aid or whatever but like i'm just like yeah just it's just another story you know well, um, you know, and even the, you know, the, the, our site, you know, people are, are very yeah. into it. We're going to get to that later, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. We all sort of felt the same yeah. way about it. I guess we've been talking to each other. We have too. again reached the cord. <laughs> That's the theme of this episode. We're going to have to cl- cancel the show after this. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it's time to end things. Maybe it is. <laughs> Josh. Yes, Thunderbolts number one fifty nine. Fables one hundred six. I know, but I was switching them. Uh, in a, w- a way, uh, I'm going to talk about Thunderbolts first. It was actually a lot like uh, the Rocketeer, and that all of a sudden I noticed that there was this sort of grouping of artists doing these little short stories. And I'd heard about this before. Somebody was actually complaining about it. I was like, "Oh, that's not going to be good." And then I saw who it was, and I was very pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah. Um, you had Jeff Parker and Declan Shalvey doing sort of the main main part of the story, which I love, is the, I love the, the Underbolts. <laughs> yeah, the, the rafts. The rafts been blown up, and there's these two groups that have to come together, and all the intrigue going on between them. Uh, it was great, just like it, it had been. 
after that, um, Jill Caramagna, the, the letterer, did a little story about uh, Moonstone in the women's uh, part of the prison. Uh, then Jen Van Meter did a story uh, with Eric Canetti, which uh, with about the ghost or about ghost and uh, John Walker, the warden of the prison, the, the most kick-ass wheelchair-bound dude you'll ever see in your life. And I was like. Oh, Eric Kennedy, I need, I need more of that. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And at the end, there was a, a fun little crossbone story written by Frank Thierry with art by Matthew Southworth. Uh, that was, did. That was the, I mean, it was great to see Matt Southworth. I mean, unfortunately, it was Thierry, though. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know what you're doing here. <laughs> but like, it started, I was like, who's this art? This looks a little bit familiar because uh, he, he did uh, Stumptown for yeah. Oni, but I haven't seen him do anything else. He's, he's worked on stuff, but you probably didn't see it. Uh, inks and things like that but that that was fun uh it's just a, a good little sort of group of short stories all put together and for some reason i i've loved this title i uh, i since since the jeff parker took over i've just had like a ton of fun with it i really like this in in a way that i haven't since you know the original thunderbolts yeah my my enthusiasm is waning i think f- almost every book of fear itself is tied in as has hurt the book yeah hurt momentum hurt the stories i don't really care about what's going on here I didn't really, you know, I've, finally seeping into, like, I liked the last Secret Avengers, but this week's Secret Avengers I didn't like. So it's just, like, everything that's tying in and stopping the story that I was, like, enjoying is really hurt for me, and I don't know that. In the same way that I'm dropping off Hulk, I might be dropping off the Thunderbolts. Well, right I thought, I, I, yeah, and I, and I agree with that. It's just I thought, I thought, I thought Parker, on the, in the main story at least, did a good job of having the characters that he's been working on deal with what's going on in Fear Itself while still moving that story forward. I mean, maybe, Yeah, there's yeah. a continuity to it. Yeah, there is. And, 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 the thi- and the thing is that shit happens and they're dealing with it, but like it's, it's not – I don't feel as it's a complete and total interruption like, like with Secret Avengers, which I agree with you and another bad issue with Secret Avengers. But, um, uh, but yeah, but I, I, see, I see your point there. I mean – and ultimately like I, I kind of groaned a little when I saw this was like a, a bit of you – know, like a bit of an anthology, you know, kind of shorter. You know, I don't, like I don't know why they would do a double size special of it or anything like that. But um, I, did enjoy, I did enjoy them. I, like, I love these characters. I thought they were great creators. Um, so we'll see how it survives. Yeah, it was very much designed for my tastes. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was like fine with that. Yeah. Um, next up, we want to talk about Fables number 106 and – I didn't really expect this. this is part five of the Super Team book, and this sort of closed out the big second story, the big threat of that, or at least appears to have. Um, if you remember, I think around issue 75, the sort of first way, you know, epoch of Fables ended with the adversary, and then there was this Mr. Dark character, and uh, there was a big fight, and there was all these sort of full-page panels, and it's over. And so I don't know what's next, although there's a hint coming up that there is a a third thing that's going to happen. Uh, so, but it was, it was kind of like from out of nowhere and it was well written and well drawn and everything, but it just kind of felt like, like this left turn, like this U-turn, like, no, no, we're not going to go there. It's fine. This is done. Oh, okay. Well, that's all right. But, uh, they made it interesting. Let's see. That was 20, that was 30 issues ago, basically. And we did this and now there's another thing. So I, I guess I don't know what's going to come next. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, Mark Buckingham, uh, and, uh, Steve, I can never say his name. Le Aloha. There it is. Uh, did a really fantastic job on this. It was a really good looking book. Uh, and, and, you know, it's fun as always. You ready, Ron? Let's do it. Flashpoint. Flashpoint time. So we, have, we were wrong last week. We've got one more week of Flashpoint after this. Uh, uh, never ends. Issues. One more week. <laughs> we really thought it was over. Yeah. Uh, so Flashpoint, Kid Flash lost one of three. Ron? Uh, awful art. Really bad <laughs> art. It, it was I, I wouldn't say awful, but it, it was serviceable. I thought uh, I didn't it wasn't, enjoy it it wasn't great, but uh, um, 
This is tapping into what's going on with Bart Allen, who I guess is, no, who is in the Flashpoint universe, but he's regular DCU Bart, and he's Brainiac is using him as a time anom- anomaly um, in the future. So Bart would be the third character now who's in the Flashpoint universe, who, who's from the DC original DCU and knows about it, including yeah. including uh, Barry and but but uh, but like Back to the Future, he's fading away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which they actually he held up his hand and instead of instead of his hand being translucent uh, or, or transparent, he made his skin translucent. Which I was like, oh okay. He's <laughs> gonna have to play Earth Angel soon. I know exactly. Um, I'm not gonna stick with this one. Okay, I, I will only because I want to know about these characters that, that are um, you know remembering the old world. All right, fair enough. Uh, Flashpoint, Lois Lane in the Resistance, number one. Abnett Landing three. Abnett Landing. Now in this case, I thought the art really hurt the story. Agreed. This was this was really sort of below caliber art yeah. for for a for big two comic. Agreed. Well, just it's important to note that the art on Kid Flash was by Oliver Nome, mm-hmm. and the art on Lois Lane is by Eddie Nunez. So. I liked the story, the idea that Lois was trapped. She was covering a fashion show in Europe Paris. when the when the yeah. war happened, and now she's trapped behind enemy lines. And Cyborg needs her to be a um, secret agent because his secret agent, who was Jimmy Olsen, was killed in the flood. Uh, that was a good. That was a good story. The story was good, but it was really hard to get past the art. Yep, um, I, I agree. So I'm on the fence because I really want to follow the story. I think Abnett Landing doing between this and Wonder Woman are doing a good job of, you know, taking care of the European theater in this war. But uh, do you think with all these all these miniseries and all these new series, they just DC just stretched themselves too thin yep. and they just had to start grabbing whoever they could get? Yep. Well, they had a, they, they, everybody else was busy doing their new books. Yep. Yeah. So they had um, to get some dudes not doing books. I'm not going to stick with Lois Lane. Okay. Even though so that's like, over two. Over two, yeah. Now, The Outsider, Flashpoint The Outsider number one of three, written by James Robinson and drawn by Javi Hernandez. I almost went to Tom Caters there for a second. Um, <laughs> written by James Robinson. I really like this. I love this. This was yeah. great. <laughs> I love that it was almost unconnected to the Flashpoint universe. Even though there was Flashpoint characters, it was completely about this character in India who's a superhero but maybe a supervillain. It's kind of like an Indian Lex Luthor. Yep. And, and, and so the, this outsider is not Alfred, as was speculated. It's somebody right. else. And um, this was, could be nobody. It could just be a character they've made up, which yeah. is fine. Well the, well, the, no, well, the outsider and the look of that, I mean, the outsider was Alfred back in the day. Like, you know, right, but before, I mean, yeah. he's, not, he's not in this book, so he could just right. be a character they've made Well, they made. mentioned Alfred in, in, what was it? Was it in Lois Lane or was it in this book? One of the two, he was, he was killed. Yeah, he was also. killed. I think it might have been Lois Lane, or yeah. maybe it was this book. I forget. Oh, no, no, it was this book. It was, yeah, no, it's, it's right here. It's when, when, the, um, when the outsider's uh, drinking his tea and he's talking to one of his workers. He says, any word from Rage in England? You know? right. and, then he, and then he says, was? You referred to him in the past tense. Alfred Pennyworth, sir. He was captured by the Amazon soon. He lent, sent his last word. And right. beheaded. Death confirmed. Yeah, so. So in this issue, this, this is sort of an Indian... It's hard to it's hard to categorize what he is. We'll just call him like a Lex Luthor. He's got a he's got an organization. They run everything. They run businesses. They run guns. They run you know they they have agents all over the place, and they, he gets attacked by Mister Terrific and Mister Terrific's wife, who's I guess Miss Terrific. Yeah, Mrs. And, <laughs> Mr. Mister Mrs. Terrific. Yeah, the whole and then somebody else, and they kill Mister Terrific. That makes sense. And uh, it was just it was fun. It was interesting. It was action packed in the the big fight scene in the middle. I I really liked this it. It was lot, great. Surprising my favorite my favorite aspect of it was that it ties into Flashpoint when in the in the issue um, in Flashpoint two or one or whatever when uh, Cyborg has the meeting of all the heroes and it, yes. um, basically 
the outsider was in it was in India for that movie and hologrammed in, but his workers just had a hologram version of him and he popped out of the meeting and he's just doing business and he's like, oh wait, hold on, I want to talk here and they're like, okay, you're live and then he <laughs> like yeah like all oh, that was great, it was such a good device. <laughs> this was surprising. I, I put it down. I was like, wow, I gave it five stars in my family. Yeah, it was really this fun. was great. The cover was awesome. Um, Kevin Nolan cover. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this this was great. So I'm sticking with this one definitely. I'm gonna and go fine. get this one. Finally, Flashpoint Reverse Flash, which says one of three, but I'm pretty sure it's a one shot. Oh, really? No, I think it's one of three, isn't it? It, it ends with the end, and there's, oh. no, more, there's no more issues of oh, it. Oh, maybe. I, my, my question about this one is what's worse? What's worse? <laughs> Scott Collins drawing his new style, or Scott Collins writing the comic and someone else trying to ape Scott Collins' new style? This, this <laughs> might have been the worst of the three yes. in terms of art. Yep. I mean, this, this, you, had, you had three of these issues with really substandard art. Yep. Um, really hard to take. It was. I mean, it, this was interesting. Really, along with Wonder Woman, this should have been one of the first ones out. Yep. Because it it goes. It really explains how the Reverse Flash has gotten to the point where he's going to change the the world or the timeline. Yeah, and and this and this gives us a little more insight into what he's doing. And 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 what I thought was really interesting and what was good writing was the him going back and experimenting with things. He's like, all right, well, if I stop. Barry from becoming the Flash, then I don't become Reverse Flash. Okay, so he's got to become the Flash. Okay, so how can I screw with him this way? All right, well, let me take away his best friend as a child. And like, it's it was really interesting to see him experimenting in the time stream to see what the effects of his tinkering would be. Yes, uh, how, which how, th- how far he could go before he was himself uh, taken out of the time stream. Yeah, which I thought was great, except that except I like that, when he made Barry bad at baseball. Yeah, that was funny. He moved. He just moved his hand mid away. <laughs> But um, but, but the the problem with it was that right out of the gate you had uh, Joel Gomez trying to do Scott Collins' style, but and then towards the end, actually, I wouldn't say the art in this was as bad as Lois Lane or as Kid Flash because there were moments where I'm like, oh, I'd like to see Joel Gomez do his own thing. Like no, was, it's 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 the superhero stuff where it was re- really yeah. tough. It was the, the Barry the as a stuff, kid. The shot of Barry, good looking. Yeah, stuff, the shot yeah. of Barry as a kid reading the comic book. I was like, oh, that's that's a really nice panel, you know, but. But it's when the superhero stuff and the grimacing and the trying to do Scott Collins' uh, you know stick um, shtick wasn't wasn't working for me. So I wonder if the shot of the, of Barry reading the comic is the actual style he draws in, and the rest yeah. was trying to ape it, and that's where it became really bad. Yeah, because yeah. clearly he's he's got talent. That, yes, the, the childhood stuff is really good. It's the it's the Barry fighting Reverse Flash in the future stuff, which was really really rough. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But. Um, but yeah, I might stick with it if it is an if it is an ongoing. If it's not a one shot, I might stick with it just because this, to see what the reverse flash is doing. So yeah, so, so I'm like one and a not, half out of four, out of four. There not the strongest week for for uh, books. No. I'm looking at the checklist here in the back. And I'm not seeing any other reverse flash issues. Okay, so maybe why? Thinking wow. they just made a mistake on the cover treatment. They're just running fast and loose, aren't they? There's a couple, couple, of, interns, a couple of interns and a monkey running in DC. <laughs> A monkey. Oh. Copy editing. That's what the problem is. This is one of Grodd's. He doesn't really. He's got a red pen. These don't make any sense at all. <laughs> all right. So, so yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> I want to take a quick moment out to tell everybody about Graphically. Uh, iFanboy is part of uh, the greater Graphically universe, and Graphically is bringing digital comics to you on the web as well as in your on your mobile devices. Um, the new uh, Graphically website has been out for a couple of weeks, and it's uh, solid. It's it's uh, a lot of you have been checking it out and interacting with it, and it's a great place to read comics. Reading comics on the web is much much uh, more evolved and better now. And now you can take those comics that you like and go embed them on your own site or on other message boards or sites like that by just grabbing the embed code, like a like kind of like a YouTube 
video, but for comics. Um, got new comics rolling out every day. There's no new comic book day in the digital world. It comes out every day. Um, so go to graphically.com to check that all out. You can also get the Graphically apps uh, for uh, the iPhone, the iPad, or your or an Android device, whether you have a tablet or a phone. Um, and check out, you know, there's some great free comics. Check out Rest from Top Cows, uh, totally free, the whole series uh, that comes out every week, so uh, every Thursday. So check out the new issues from there, um, as well as tons and tons and tons of other great stuff. Every Tuesday we do uh, Top Cow Tuesday where Top Cow series is uh, on sale, as well as there's a couple of great publishers that are coming on board in the next couple of weeks. So you want to stay tuned as things are getting uh, bigger and better over at Graphically. Be sure to follow them on Twitter.com, Twitter.com slash Graphically, so you don't miss a thing. Go to Graphically.com to check it all out. Conan, Road of Kings. This is the thing about Conan is that I, I sometimes uh, I will read it and I'm like, oh, it's really good. And then I won't really want to go back. Like, I just wanted a little bit. Uh, Road of Kings was a six-issue miniseries, but I think it's continuing. Uh, like in August, it's at the back of the issue. And I read through the whole thing. For some reason, it was really fun. Whatever the combination of Roy Thomas and, and, and Mike Hawthorne was, uh, it was just good all the way through of Did this story. Did he cut story. off anybody's head? I'm fairly certain. Did he bet a maiden? He was, you know, he was a little, he was a little, was, there was a moment at the end where it was great because they're running away and like he saved the princess and everything's fine and they're going and she's like, now we can spend the rest of our life together. And he literally was like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, whoa, I gotta, whoa, gotta whoa. go. He, no, he totally did that. He, he was like, you know, that was fun and all and you were with me when you got kidnapped so I took that but I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go now. And Thor was like, me understand, yes. Conan and That's Thor a- commiserating at a bar. That how that how me feel too. <laughs> there's a there's a joke uh, in there somewhere. <laughs> they get they get so they, attached when you save them. They try put leash on Thor. <laughs> Thor not down. Listen, Thor like wind, can't control, <laughs> must blow where blow. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Before I get to the next book, I, we we should quickly mention Justice League Subway Famous Fans number two of yes. four, which came out in the middle of DC Books this week. And this time we featured uh, the NASCAR driver Carl Edwards and the NBA player Blake Griffin, who defeat Gorilla Garad by bouncing a basketball off his head. Yep, I did. I did. I did capture that moment as well. So yes. <laughs> Quick, Garad is completely taking control, control of the JSA. How can we defeat him? Bounce a basketball off his head. There you go. <laughs> is that going to make the best panels this week? Maybe I haven't decided yet. <laughs> Game over for Garad. My... <laughs> Finally, we get to finish our awesome Subway sandwiches. Yeah, looking good, guys. It was le- it was less. Um, it, I, I I gotta give this. I gotta give the first one the little first bit of the edge. Good. Yeah, because yeah, the first the first one. Yeah, you didn't have Grodd actually going for the sandwich. Really, Grodd should have been. Seen, he should have smelled that sandwich. Been like meat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Pull this giant spoon out and gone for it. All right. So let's get to Superman seven twelve, which was the bait and switch of them of the week. The uh, <laughs> as often happens with DC books, we had a completely different solicitation than what actually came out. This was not the story of Superman walking the earth. He was supposed to be in Los Angeles this week, talking, uh, hanging out with a Muslim superhero. Instead, we got a lost story of Crypto, yeah. which was written by Kurt Busiek uh, and drawn by Rick Leonardi. And um, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, took, it takes place after Infinite Crisis when, when Superboy died, and it features basically Crypto trying to find Superboy, you know, his, his buddy. You can't find him. He sm- he's follows the, sm- the scent trail. It, heads, heads, it goes to places where Superboy had been right before Infinite Crisis and then uh, ties it all together with, with the death. It, you know, it, it was all right. But it was – for whatever reason, they pulled the story, whether you want to believe it, it's because they, they didn't want more Muslim superhero backlash or because of the cat 
cat saving scene. Depending on who you believe, depending on what you want to believe, they pulled it and inserted this one. And uh, yeah, so who knows? Doesn't matter anyway. It's all going to end in September. Superman stumbling towards the retcon. Yes, there you go. That possibly can go. Oh well. He's, um, he's no longer walking. He's just dragging one foot along. <laughs> Real quickly, uh, only because I've pimped it enough this week, probably. But All Nighter number one from Image Comics by David Hahn. If you like relationship books, you need to be reading this. It was the subject of our Don't Miss podcast uh, earlier this week. Um, great black and white story that was supposed to be a Minx book that uh, Image got the rights to and is releasing as a five-issue miniseries. It's done, so it's going to release on time uh, monthly. Um, a lot of fun, cool punk chick uh, who is also a petty thief trying to grow up in the in this rough world. So uh, I loved it. This book was great. I can't wait for the next issue. Please check it out because it's awesome. You may recall last time in John Byrne's Next Men number six, one of the characters was going to go save Abraham Lincoln from assassination, and the issue ended with, with uh, her having fired a bullet at Booth. Yeah, so what happened there? Well, in in, in number seven, <laughs> <laughs> it immediately it. goes to a different story. Of course, all it I does. wanted to know what was going to happen with Abraham Lincoln. Yep. And I, first of all, I don't know any of these characters. I, re- I literally am reading this solely for the Lincoln connection because I, I find that fascinating. Yep. It goes to another story. I, I just basically skipped through that, looking for the Lincoln pages, found them where basically after much discussion they decide to save Lincoln. So in this issue, Lincoln grows to old age, becomes an elder statesman, and he's like we see like gray-haired Lincoln, you know, being the uh, most revered man in America. It was bizarre. Well, that's to be expected from John Byrne. So yeah. So anyway, all right. Uh, the Enough last time, the last time that Gates of Gotham was uh, talked about on the show, I think I was off of it, so I didn't really get a chance to talk about it. Um, I really like this book. Is is basically what I wanted to say, Connor. Did you? I don't know if I enjoyed it a little more because I recently read Devil in the White City because mm-hmm. they were talking about architecture and like it's that same sort of Gilded Age period. Right. Like that will never stand up under. And I don't know if it was just like I had a little bit of architecture geek in me, so that might make it nice more interesting to me. I liked it more than the first issue because there was much more in the past, which is really mm-hmm. what I'm interested in in this story. Yeah. In this- uh, I, I like this more than the first one. And I like the first one. I just didn't love it as much as I hoped. This one was was better, I thought, once I've sort of found the world. And I like the idea that the Gates of Gotham title is not only the the, the bridges which were being which were blown up in the first issue, but also now we find out the name of a family. So they are the Gates of Gotham, like the Richards of Long Island or whatever <laughs> yes. you want to call it. So the revered Richards of Long Island. So, so this, like the uh, Gatsby's, the Gatsby's yeah. and the Richards. Um, so I like that little twist on the title, which we find out in, in the end, the villains are the Gates family. Mm-hmm. So... It's very good. It's very, it's very much feet in two worlds in the in the future. Um, Robin and not Batgirl. What's her name? Cassandra Kane. Black Bat or Black Bat. Black, Black Bat. Bat. Yep. Um, investigating what's going on, and in the past we ha- we learned more about the, the the how Gotham came to be with the building of the, the large buildings and all that stuff. So yeah, I was I was down with it. It was very good. All right, so those are the books that we enjoyed this week, but uh, a whole bunch more came out, and you folks over at iFanboy.com went over and did your uh, pull lists and your ratings and reviews and pick of the weeks, and uh, Josh, why don't you walk us through the top five picks of the weeks according to the uh, the iFanboy audience. Number five, Planet of the Apes, number three with 2.7%. Wow. Uh, none of us read that. Well, this but... week, this week there was, we'll, we'll see at the end, there's, there's a reason why there weren't very many picks. Yeah, right? so that's what we would normally see in the top five. We're in the top five plus. Uh, much lower percentage. percentage. Number four, Rocketeer Adventures. Number two, three point six percent crime. It's you're wrong, people. You're just wrong. Number three, Gates of Gotham. Number two with four point four percent. Number two, Fables. Number one hundred six with four point eight percent. See, I read quality books this week. 
And number one, Ultimate Spider-Man number 160, even though you knew what was going to happen, it was in the title, (laughs) 75.3%. Amazing. for a while, it was at like ninety-seven percent. Yeah, yeah. And so, and we're like, yeah, we're recording this. You know, people, people. This is as we're recording, so people come back and do their picks of the weeks over the weekend or things like that. So these numbers might fluctuate when you hear this, but I doubt Ultimate Spider-Man is going to lose that lead. That's ridiculously high. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So at um, one point, there was like four books total that had been, been chosen. It was like ninety-eight percent for Ultimate Spider-Man. That's insane. So, um, so on to the, the, the user reviews. Uh, Smasher reviewed Justice League uh, of America number 58, gave the story a 3 out of 5 and the art a 3 out of 5, and not surprisingly, nobody made this their pick of the week. And Smasher says that while some of the dialogue in this issue read hackneyed and his use of bl- Blue Starman and the Shade just feels like, like dirty pool, this issue was a thrill. I jumped on with this issue and sunk right in. No heavy narration boxes required. The pace was quick, yet I felt like a lot happened, and the ending was as cliffhanging as they come. This may be the last great JLA story of the DCU as we know it. <laughs> Eclipse have split the moon in half, and the Earth is falling to bits. Only the Justice League can save the world, and it's a Justice League full of substitutes. Good thing there's a reboot. Okay, so a couple of things about this issue. Um, number one, I love the fact that he just jumped in. <laughs> you know, like we're three months away from it all ending, and I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try it. You know, like hey, f- issue fifty eight. Sure, I'll jump right in. That's good. I you like that because we always encourage that. But, if it wasn't for his rating of threes on everything, I, yeah. I was thinking about it from description, from his description. Yeah, <laughs> this does sound great. I know, um, but uh, I did. I did read this issue, and I do want to point out that while I am a big fan of James Robinson's work and things like that. The, not, we don't all have our best moments, and there's a literally a panel. There's literally a panel, and I need to read this because it's I, it's. Oh, there's literally a panel in this where Bat, where the Justice League is trying to figure out what to do, and Batman says to Obsidian, "You mentioned the Shade Obsidian and how he's important to all this, right?" <laughs> so so basically, Batman goes. Batman's asking the Obsidian to explain why Shade is important. And Obsidian's response is, well, you worked that out too, Batman. Why don't you tell everyone? And then Batman then says, like, why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, it seems like a waste. Yeah. Um, and then the, yeah. the other problem is that, uh, Don, not problem, but Donna Troy died at the end of this issue. Whoa, yes. no, no warning? I, sword oh. sword through, the, through the chest. Eclipso killed Donna Troy. So... That's why she was removed from the they cover of Justice League International. Yeah, exactly. They so. should just wholesale slaughter everybody. It doesn't matter now. <laughs> Ragnarok. Just have everyone die in a big... <laughs> telling you, that, that's going to move units. Yeah, so... Imagine, that, that's how they should have ended the whole thing, don't you think? That would like, have been great, yeah. Just the Tell, like, a big final story they never could tell anyway. Like, have a big Ooh. battle or every, you know... Whatever happened to the Heroes of Tomorrow? Is that the title of the book? Yeah. All right. Mike's positive review... <laughs> Action Comics 902 gave the story a 1 out of 5 and the art a 4 out of 5. And again, no one made us a pick of the week. And Mike Positive, who's testing the limits of his, nick- of his name here, says, At the end of it all, I was glad this version of the DCU is ending so I can try forgetting this ever happened. It's too bad that Paul Cornell dropped the ball this issue as the art was great. Kenneth Rocafor draws some beautiful stuff, especially the shots of Lois and Jimmy waiting for destruction. Superman valiantly pushing off the ship from crashing into Earth. The impact itself and a weakened Superman stumbling ashore. I cannot recommend this issue, but it's worth flipping through to see some pretty pictures and how Rocafor tries to deal with drawing different versions of the already goofy Doomsday in a story where these Doomsdays aren't even painted as threats. And uh, Rocafor is I love amazing. Rocafor. I love Rocafor, but I flip through this and I just feel like this is the wrong book for him. You know, it's like yeah, the wrong pair. He's not the right style for yeah, Superman, yeah. which I, you know, it's the same worry with Jim Lee. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. the right sort of iconic look, but he is 
he is fantastic. Yeah, he's great. Cool. Uh, story not so good. All right, but. so go to ifanboy.com slash comics where you can do your pull list and you can uh, rate your books and write reviews and might get on the show, and it's all at ifanboy.com. Uh, speaking of ifanboy.com, if you like this show or the other shows we do, the video shows, the other podcasts, the website, all that stuff, you're rethinking – you know, I'd, I'd like I'd like to take I'd like to take a hand in this and really really help out and support. Well, there's lots of ways to do that, and we would very much appreciate it if you would. Uh, you can click on any of the banners on ifanboy.com. Support the sponsors. They are the they are the the lifeblood. They are the people who uh, who support the show, and, and it's very easy for you to go and check that stuff out. You can go to ifanboy.com/slash/amazon, and anything you buy from Amazon uh, will will sort of get a little a little piece of that, a little something, and then that that's that's one very easy way. Uh, in order to do that, there's a little powered by Amazon button under the search box, and that'll take you right to Amazon, then it won't look like it has anything to do with us, but it will. Uh, and anything you buy is very good. That's very helpful. And then finally, the most direct way to help support uh, iFanboy is to become a member. You can either uh, donate $4 a month or $42 a year or $10 a month or $100 a year. Um, is sort of a regular thing, a way of uh, a way of keeping the lights on and keeping things running. You guys are the are the ones who do that, um, and, and it's really important that you know that. And I was thinking about it last night, and I was like, man – that's awesome. Thank you so much, everybody who does that. But it's not, it's not just the, the feeling of actually uh, contributing and making it work uh, and, and just doing that because you're a good person. We also try to reward you for some of that stuff. So we uh, have stuff that we give away to members only and, and things like that. We've done a bunch of – we've got to have something coming up relatively soon. Uh, and and uh, Josh be, visits your house and gives you a hug. Yeah, I would totally <laughs> do that. be the July giveaway. If you live in my neighborhood. Uh, but besides that, when you do sign up, you'll get a packet of uh, stickers, buttons. And if it's a higher level, you get a T-shirt. Um, and then that incredibly self-righteous feeling of saying I did the right thing. Instead of buying, instead of buying some premium coffee every week that I didn't want, <laughs> I, 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 I help these guys do this great show that it is such a big part of my comic book life. Uh, <laughs> Seriously? Any more? Anything more to heap on there? Yeah. Or? Any more? Any more guilt or anything? I, I, <laughs> I listen. To, can you tell I listen to public radio? Yeah, I can actually. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Right. Listen, at least we don't do pledge drives. True. It's true. Yet. All right. So uh, thanks we don't very have the much. Overhead yet? Yet. That's ifanboycom store if you decide you want to take the plunge into membership. Thank you. Emails, Connor. Matt D from Rochester, New York, says, "Love the show. I've got a fashion question." When going to a comic book movie, is it bad form to wear a t-shirt of the character in that movie? Like wearing a Green Lantern t-shirt to the movie. Everyone knows you don't wear the band's t-shirt when you go see them in concert. Do the same unwritten rules of cool apply to your local multiplex? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have an anecdote about this. And go ahead. This is a, a friend of mine, and I apologize in advance if he didn't want me telling the story, but I, he's, I've heard him tell others, and that's fine. friend of mine, huge Judge Dredd fan. Enormous Judge Dredd fan. So excited in the 90s when the Judge Dredd movie came out. War, it was younger, you know, teen years. Wars Judge Dread 2000 AD shirt that he that he ordered from England. Had it proudly wearing. Went into the movie, sat down and watched the worst piece of shit <laughs> Sylvester Stallone raping of the character he loved. He and he just sank in a seat and was so embarrassed he took the shirt off and turned it inside out to walk out <laughs> without anyone noticing that he was wearing the Judge Dread shirt. Wow. That's why you don't wear the shirt of the of the characters in the movie because the movie might, might, might not be good. So, uh, well, here's the thing. This depends on who you are and how. No, no, no. don't wear the shirt. Don't wear the. Be cool. Don't. Wear I'm the shirt. not gonna do that. People <laughs> like to wear their shirt. Nope. They like. I would to say do not to. Don't wear the I, shirt. You guys aren't going to listen. I'm a vain motherfucker. I'm not going to. You know, <laughs> Did like, he just like, say he I do a comic book video show, and I've never worn a comic book shirt on it. That's how I feel about it. But 
I'm not going to – if you want to do that, then go for it. Dude, nope. You, you, own, you, you own like uh, – you have some colored lantern shirt. You got the hope or whatever. Yeah. You know, same thing. We didn't say don't own the shirt. I didn't say don't, don't own the movie. shirt. Don't wear it to the no, movie. Say to the movie. It's the same thing. Yeah. So you're going yeah, so you, so to go see uh, – what, what band do you like these days? I don't even know what you like. Are you going to wear a Decemberist shirt to go see the Decemberists? I'm not going to. Right. You bought a shirt and you wore it out. What shirt did I wear out? You get a Decemberist hoodie or something? Oh yeah, I wore it out. Yeah, I wore it. I don't. I didn't. I, you don't wear it to the. Uh, well, the hoodie's a different thing, but the T-shirt of the show. Ah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to remember if I've actually worn the Decemberist hoodie to the December show. I might have because that was like my my hoodie's my uniform. Like that's right. you know, what it is. But um, I'm you, just not. You know, like it's it's if you really want to, that's fine. I'm not going to come down before. No, I'm, I mean yes, the the after school special. If you really want to do whatever makes you happy, that's fine. If you want to, if you want to be cool, don't do it. But technically, yes, it would be the same rule as the concert rule. Yes. I think that's fair. Tim from Rhode Island says, I stayed away from Judd Winnick for a long time because <laughs> I didn't enjoy his work on anything other than Pedro and me. But it seems like lately he's been doing good work with Generation Lost and some of his Red Hood stuff. Is it worth going back and reading his earlier stuff? Mainly I was interested in his Green Arrow run. If his Green Arrow run was worth checking out. Thank you. You're welcome, Tim. His um, Green Lantern run was really pretty good. His Green Hour run was uh, was was good. We enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah, it was very was. good. Yeah, well, it was yeah. with Brick and the and yeah, that was good. That was enjoyable. Yeah, the uh, Green Arrow Black Canary stuff yeah. was especially good. And then then it was good for a while after that when it was just solo Green Arrow. And then I've been it, avoiding him. <laughs> I like, like I like divorced. the like Jed's like hey come over here and he's like mm. no no no, no just sh- and the thing is he doesn't say he just shakes it off you know like yeah. kind of <laughs> does a half turn away. <laughs> Or his friends like, hey, I want to go out for drinks. We're meeting up with some people later. Is Judd going to be there? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> All right, so <laughs> if you have any uh, awkward social questions or, or cool guidelines that you need answered, email us at contact.ifanboy.com. Oh, Judd's going to be there. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to do that again. Or he uh, walks in the bar, sees Judd, turns right around and leaves. <laughs> no one even knows he showed up. How come he didn't come the other night? Yeah, uh, I saw my Judge, mom called. I saw Judd checked in on Foursquare, and I, I just, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not gonna do. I'm not, yeah, I just didn't. I was gonna do that. Can't. I, 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 I didn't like some of his stuff in the middle. <laughs> All right. So on to the voicemails. Our first voicemail has got a question about a big event. Hey guys, this is Scott in Wiley, Texas, and I was calling because I wanted to ask you: Did you like Fear itself better when it was Blackest Night? I think I see what you're getting at here. Right, clever. Ty. Yeah, you know, you have a little bit of a point. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. You know, I was like, oh, so it's just fear itself with hammer, or it's just Blackest Night with hammers? Okay. Um, I did enjoy Blackest Night more than Fear itself, at least yeah. up to this point. Yeah. Um, well, I think I, part, I think part of the, the the subtle difference is that Blackest Night was resurrecting dead characters, mm-hmm. where the where Fear itself is, in, you know, giving existing characters new powers or new, you know, kind of things. So it's a, there's a little less, there's a little more wonder, I think, with Blackest Night because it was like, oh, look, it's dead version of Aquaman, you know, or whatever, you know, whatever character it was. So. You also had characters like like Lex Luthor getting a power ring. So yeah. just, similarly to that, true, to true, the good people point. getting hammers, yeah. who got new powers. It's similar. Fair point. Fair I point. just think it's a better. So far, at least, Black Knight was more tightly plotted at, at this point in this in this series. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a little better. almost all over the map. Yeah. So yeah, I were how many issues are we in for itself? Two or three? I don't even know. Three, three, three. three. I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't feel like. 
I, st- I don't feel like I know what's happening really or care. All right. But, yeah, uh, I, I do too. I think it's moving too slowly, but we'll see. I don't know. But uh, it's not over yet, so we'll see. All right, our next movie's uh, our next movie arc. Our next voicemail's got a question about a movie. Hey, I fanboy. This is Raphael. I was um, wondering what you guys think will happen with the Green Lantern movie since it did so bad at the box office the first week, and it's reported to cost like two hundred million dollars to make and a hundred and twenty-five to one hundred fifty million dollars to um, promote. I'm looking. I'm reading that like they're trying to point the finger at Jeff Johns. They're pointing the finger at the director. So I'm just wondering, do you guys think this movie will get a sequel, or are they done with this? And do you think this is a big setback for DC Entertainment? Um, other than that, I love the show. Thanks. What do you mean, other than that? We didn't make the movie. <laughs> We're not affiliated with it. <laughs> not Warner Brothers. I think I think it's far too early to tell what the future of Green Lantern is. Or DC uh, movies. Or DC movies, yeah. I mean, it's clear. I mean, again, it's all speculation. You can't predict what Hollywood will do any less than you can predict what comic companies will do but yeah. I mean Hellboy got a sequel and it made less than 100 million dollars I mean the thing, the, th- the thing about it is is that by, by you know like uh, and I was actually glad to see I thought the blowback this week was going to be much worse yeah and I was and I had a tw- I had a tweet already to be like when did you make 50 million dollars you know but like, like they, they, that's not I mean yes it wasn't an Iron Man you know three it's not going to be a 300 million you know um um revenue gener- 300 million revenue generating movie like Iron Man was but honestly what of these movies will be like no, it's like hard to say. Tra- it didn't everyone, tank. Yeah, it didn't it, tank. It, it didn't. Well, did. not in the sense like, but you've seen movies that came out like a huge thing, and they didn't make anything. Yeah. You know, like Tron. You know, nothing. Yeah, no, like Tron. That, Tron where, did well. I mean, Tron. Did, the thing is, all about expectations, and Tron did well despite the expectations of the, the which they wanted to be Avatar. Tron did. When you total up all the money it made, it made like four hundred million dollars. Yeah. Well, and but that, and that's and that was my point, which is which is that it's been only it's been has been barely out for a week, and admittedly it did poorly in the for in the foreign markets. It didn't do very well internationally, which normally is like the like for example X Men First Class. I was like, oh, it only did fifty million. Yeah, but it did like seventy million internationally. It's and like it didn't well, cost as much as this. It's, it's well, yeah, true. It didn't cost as much. But um, the thing is that I you know it, for DC Entertainment, this is a long at least from what I understand, this is a longer play, and that if all all the Green La- Green Lantern shit that put out there in terms of merchandise sells and kids buy it. There'll be yeah. another, there will be another movie. Yeah, and, I mean, like, it, when I think about tanking though. Like, like Jonah Hex did like eight. Yeah, but you, you you can't you can't put those you can't compare those two. Jonah Hex they just got rid of. Whereas this was a, this was marketed to the tune of a hundred million dollars. They had all their hopes and pinned on this yeah. movie. This is not the same thing as Jonah Hex. I mean, clearly they they fell on their face out of the gate. Whether or not it's, it's a fatal falling on the face, I, I doubt it, but they wanted this to be a big deal. Not only was it not a big deal, but money-wise, it was not a big deal, critic-wise. Yeah. And no, no one really, you know, most people didn't like it. Some people liked it, but for the most part, it didn't have the reaction that the other films have had. So, this, as a jump starter to the whole DC Entertainment world of movies, it was a, not a good well, thing. And, but. What, and what I don't understand is the whole, is, is I mean, like, the, I mean, they already have Batman. That was their phenomenon. You know what I mean? Like, that, so... You know, you got another Batman movie coming out next week. Yeah, Batman is like Spider-Man. They, the whole thing with Iron Man was they were able to make a movie True. based on characters that not everyone already knew. This right. is this is exactly correlated to Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, fair and enough. But it's and not just, it's not as cool. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't cool. do as well money wise. It didn't do as well critic wise. No one talks about it. I mean, everyone when Iron Man came out, everyone was talking about it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Side of comics people I knew, it was all over the zeitgeist. Robert Downey Jr.'s career was resurrected. Everything was cool about it. Whereas this, everyone's sort of like, well, they saw it. Yeah, and my family doesn't even want to see it. They've seen every comic movie for the last ten years. Yep, and they're they're all like, "Should we go to Green Lantern?" And I was like, "Well," and well. then they said, 
Yeah. I mean, they're not going to see it. I mean, that's, that's let's go to Super Eight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is. and it's and it's tough. But the thing is, you got to believe. I mean, like there's a, there was a mid credit sequence teasing the future of it. You know, and like while that, I know that doesn't mean anything, but you know they put that in there with you know plans to do more. Um, I, and like you said, Connor, it's unpredictable. I mean, I, I would think that they that they sunk so much money to developing this whole not just Green Lantern world, but the whole idea of the DC entertainment thing that they they might want to re- do a sequel just to sort of a save face, but b prove that the investment was worth it. Yeah, if they make a sequel and it hits really big, then it won't matter what the first film did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Batman Begins made three hundred seventy-two million dollars worldwide. It didn't, you know, it didn't blow the doors off anything. It made two hundred million dollars. Yeah, but the Dark Knight was a ridiculous success, though. Right, but, but yeah. I'm saying it's they, they, but it was Batman, also a huge cre- Batman, critical success, success. But it wasn't a huge, huge like phenomenon. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and that, that's the problem also is that I almost feel bad for the movie because I feel like the deck was stacked against it and that they were expect they. It's like the, the thing is like you can't make a phenomenon. It, the shit just happens. I don't think Marvel thought new Iron Man was going to do what it was going to do. I think that that was. Oh just, no! I think yeah. everyone was surprised by how successful it was. It yeah. made five hundred eighty million dollars. Yeah, but yeah. now they have to do it over and over again. Right. Yeah, that's the other problem. They have the opposite problem. They have to keep meeting expectations. Well, and, yeah, it. and that's what that's been a lot of the talk this year. I mean, like the I was just reading an article the other day, and like if you look at Thor, X Men First Class, and and um, and Green Lantern, none of those are runaway phenomenon kind of things, and and questioning whether any of the movies this year will do that. And really, it's next year with the with the Spider Man reboot, Avengers, and with the next Batman movie, where like that's where the the real money is going to come from. And all well, it's funny because if you look, and I the reason why I have all these numbers is because I've been compiling them to do a post about you know the movie grosses. But um, increasingly, and the reason why Green Lantern's foreign foreign failure is a big deal is because increasingly these movies make way more money foreign. Yeah, in Thor made two hundred fifty nine million dollars domestically, but. I'm sorry, I made $175 million domestically, but I made $259 in the foreign market. Yep, yep. So it's a, it's a, Thor's already over $400 million. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Um, X-Men First Class, is, which is still newer than Thor, is over $245 million total because it did way more in, in the foreign market. Yeah. So The fact that Green Millandron opened seven, at $17 million in the foreign market is not good. Yeah. So. Yeah, but it was only in Budapest. <laughs> and the one Huge theater in Budapest. They love they love green there. Is yeah. the thing. So uh, there's an Irish joke there that I could have made that I didn't. So there you go. Uh, if you have any questions, you can. I don't think there was. <laughs> you can call us at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Any questions or observations? Please call in, and we'd love to hear from you. Keep them short. Keep them to about thirty seconds, and don't forget to tell us who you are and where you're from. Um, so iFanboy Don't Miss, our podcast where we talk to creators uh, about books that are coming up. Last week, uh, this past uh, last, this past Monday, we or yeah, past Monday, we talked to David Hahn about All Nighter, which you should go back and listen to. And if you're looking for Don't Miss this this Monday, it already came out this past Friday. So go back and look at your feed. And uh, Paul's talking to Mike Carlin about the Canterbury Cricket Flashpoint book, uh, Canterbury Cricket number one. And we also got some uh, preview pages of art from the book and stuff like that. So go download that, give it a listen, uh, and give uh, a Flashpoint book a shot. So, uh, yeah, and also go to uh, iTunes and subscribe to Don't Miss and leave a review while you're there. You can go to iFanboy.com and check out my Pick of the Week review for The Rocketeer Adventures number two, as well as all the other great writers we have going every day, putting out great content about the comic book culture we've got going on. There's Word Balloon. There's all kinds of things happening at iFanboy.com including fanboy.com slash about, which has got links to all of our social networks where you can become our friend on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. And in addition to this show and all the great content, we also have a video show that comes out every week, every Wednesday. Last week we were talking about the DC reboot. We went through every book in the DC reboot. Painstakingly so. 
<laughs> we, taking we weren't going to do that, and we couldn't help ourselves. Yep, I knew it. Yep. <laughs> and uh, this week, we've got the annual barbecue and email show. The so return of the barbecue, vindication. We missed it last year. We, we couldn't get it done, but we, we brought it back. So check that out. It's, it was a very hungry editing session. <laughs> uh, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Uh, as we said, keep it, keep it relatively short. Tell us who you are, where you're from. Get to the point, damn it. No, that's, that's, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to talk to you like that, baby. Please come back. Um, you know, for about stuff you want to write in or talk to us about. And as I mentioned, when we talk about Don't Miss, if you're in iTunes, please do a review for this show, for the video show, for Don't Miss, for all the other podcasts that we're affiliated with, like Word Balloon or Tom vs. Aquaman, which, by the way, Tom outdid himself with, with Warner vs. Aquaman. It was fantastic. So go to iTunes, leave a review for us. It helps spread the word. Tell your mom, tell your friends, tell your comic book store buddies, uh, tell everybody about iFanboy. We, we lean on you to spread the word, so uh, please do. Thank you very much. So I think that's a good note to end this week's show on. So, until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I am Joshua. <laughs>